Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, Brian. And typically, I would say across from me is your co-host, Ben. But ironically, considering that our last episode was on being alone, Ben isn't with us for this episode. So I'm going to hop right into what's new in my nations this week. So in my nations this week, I'm working on some music. I was invited to join a bluegrass band recently that's going to be having a concert, and I'm having to brush up on my bass guitar, and the concert's coming up here in a little less than a month, so didn't have a ton of lead time, and I'm going to be playing for a couple of hours in the band for a community concert, so I'm working on a musical skill that I have had, and I just kind of need to polish up on a little bit, so it's something a little bit outside of the typical realm of what I would be working on, but it's something that's going to be at our church and in the service of the community. So that's what's new in my nations this week. So we're going to go ahead and get right into the verse of the week or the passage of the week. And this comes from Psalms chapter one. So it's Psalm one and it's the first couple of verses. It says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. So I've really liked this passage in a lot of my adult life because it gives guidance for how we should conduct ourselves and with whom we should hang out by inference and explicitly whom we should not hang around or whom we should not spend time with. And we shouldn't be spending our time with, if we're godly individuals, with those who do not have godly character traits. If we are wanting to be blessed, or if we're wanting to be, that word actually means happy, then we should be spending our time with people that don't have those negative character traits. And if we want to be happy or to be blessed, we're going to be wanting to meditate on the law of the Lord, to keep that at the forefront of our mind throughout our day. It says day and night. So, I just really like those first two verses. The, the third verse is also an illustrative description of what that person will be like. He'll be like a tree planted beside waters, beside streams of waters. And if you've ever seen a tree beside a good water source versus a tree that's not beside a good water source, the tree beside a good water source thrives. So listen to that advice. If you want to read that whole psalm, it's Psalm 1. It's not very long, but gives us some good godly advice for how to conduct ourselves and whom we should hang around with and whom we shouldn't. So this is just a short intro today because we've got a, an interview and the interview is going to be with someone that I've known for a while and who's a really talented physician, very insightful guy. And I'm really excited to get into the interview topics we have for him today. So without any further ado, we're going to be interviewing Dr. John Ozalek. All right, we'd like to welcome our special guest today, Dr. John Oslek. So, Dr. John, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Who is John? Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, John Oslek. Um, more and more, I've tried to uh, identify myself as, and I don't do this publicly enough, but someone as united, united in Christ. You know, our pastor had talked about that uh, a while back, you know, that really is and say we are Christians, uh, that term was uh, actually a derogatory term, you know, in the, in the initial, uh, like, first century. Uh, that's what pagans called uh, people united in Christ, Christians, uh, much like uh, Puritans were called Puritans, but that was actually a derogatory term for them. But 
you know, pastor made that, uh, our pastor made that uh, comment that we should identify ourselves as people united in Christ. So that's me, but as a person, um, so that's me as a person, actually. Yeah. Uh, that's how I think of myself and, and, uh, uh, you know, try to, uh, try to live that way. But, uh, I mean, I'm a physician uh, as a, as for my career, um, my, my career has taken a couple of different twists. I, I came out of medical school. I was, I was a pediatrician to begin with and, um, also trained in neonatal perinatal medicine. So I practiced, uh, as a, a neonatal intensive care physician for, for about five years and then, uh, went back and retrained in, uh, anatomic pathology and, and pediatric pathology. So I've, I've been, uh, I was a pediatrically a pediatric pathologist for about 14 years at Children's Hospital here in Pittsburgh. And then uh, the last uh, four, almost five years now, I've been at West Virginia University doing doing a mix of both adult and, and pediatric pathology. So how do you find that the medical profession and your vocation intersects with your faith, with being a Christian, knowing the gospel, knowing who God is. So how does that inform your medical career and how does your medical career inform your Christian faith? Obviously, you know, as a, we have a, we have a, uh, you know, Christianity is not a religion. We have a, we have a worldview, right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's biblical. So I guess I look through, I look through everything. I've certainly looked through my career through that lens. I, I guess, you know, I, I, I think of myself as somebody who is ameliorating the effects of sin. I mean, so I, you know, disease, death, um, that's all a result of sin. So uh, I've been on both sides of it. I, you know, I've, uh, I've treated, you know, patients, people, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a treating physician, taking care of small babies. I've seen them live and die, not make it out of the delivery room. Uh, I, I've seen all, you know, children uh, with with bad diseases, transplants, uh, then eventually die, all, all kinds of things, congenital heart disease. Um, and so now, you know, and what I do now mostly is diagnostic, you know, medicine, where I, I get to look at uh, and diagnose uh, people's tissue under the microscope. So I see, you know, I see disease from that level. Uh, but I also see, you know, the, the great creative work of uh you know, God and, uh, and how we're put together. Um, so I, I you know, it, it's, it's that, it's that viewpoint that I just see it from that. I, I see all these things from that perspective. Um, uh, but sometimes that gets lost in the job too. You know, you, you get so busy sometimes and you have, you know, sometimes in what I do, it can seem like an assembly line, uh, you know, patient after patient, just looking at stuff and, you have to step back and say, you know, it's a person and that's person created in the image and likeness of God. And so I try to keep those things in mind, but I would say that medicine in general does not have that viewpoint, world viewpoint, right? I, I think the medical profession in general is, this does not share, share that viewpoint. And therefore the, the way it is structured and uh, delivered is not reflective of that. Yeah. So do you find that you have opportunities through medicine maybe to share the gospel ever or to tell people about Christ or like, especially if you're dealing with disease and informing people about 
the fact that maybe, you know, there's been a disease detected or diagnosed and people in those moments oftentimes are looking for something to give them hope. Do you ever find that you've had those opportunities? Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, uh, I think when I, when I practiced in, in, in the, as a, in the NICU, as a, as a neonatal intensive care physician, I, you know, you didn't really talk to your patients. <laughs> they were babies. They were, <laughs> they were mature babies intubated, you know, they didn't even make sounds right. You know, uh, uh, but you, you spent a lot of time with the parents and, and so and guardians, uh, depending, um, and so I, that, that was, that was sort of, that was the time before I was saved. I didn't really, I didn't really share the gospel during really during that, when I practiced that. And I, I think if I was practicing now in that regard, I probably would. I certainly would. Um, but uh, now, you know, and I think the Lord, you know, he's works in uh, very interesting ways and is very kind and compassionate because you know, part of, I think my switch into this career was probably in some respects, it, it, it allowed me to, my personality is sort of a one-on-one kind of thing. I, I like one-on-one uh, interactions with people. I'm, I'm not a, uh, you know, big crowd type of person. Uh, but so pathology has given me this unique opportunity to, so we have trainees, uh, places I've been, we have residents, fellows, and you can sit across the microscope one-on-one with them. And look, look at the same thing. You know, you're looking at tissue, making diagnosis. And so I've had multi, I've had many opportunities to, uh, to, uh, talk about God, talk about the gospel, what, you know, what people believe. And it's, it's, it's really a very easy introduction. You know, you can, I just, I say, you know, I look down the skull, I say, isn't that, isn't that amazing? It's a beautiful structure to this, you know, and, you know, you just go from there. God made this. So what do you think, you know, and, you know, you get all kinds of interesting conversations and, uh, but yeah, that's been, it's a, it's a really easy, like, uh, it's a really easy, uh, avenue or sedgeway to the gospel, if you will, um, in what I do. Although I'll say that one-on-one on the scope, I would say outside of that, it's a little tougher just in the general milieu of, of a workplace. It, it's, it's tougher to, to kind of uh, be uh, real friendly, be real, you know, kind of try to know people so you have a rapport so that you might be able to share the gospel. That's tougher because that's a fine line. You know, I found that you can get in trouble if you're too friendly mm. with your in the professional, you know, in the workplace. You know, you have to, those kinds of things you kind of, I mean, I've shared the gospel with other people outside uh, other than, you know, besides the one-on-one that I have, but um, it's a little more challenging. Yeah. I'm sure that the scriptures tell us to be as wise as serpents, right. But as harmless as doves. So there does, does have to be some tactical nature to how you conduct yourself for sure. I'm, I'm guessing in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. I work in a different environment, so I, I don't have the same constraints, but I also don't have a massive HR department to worry about. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I, I think it, well, not just this kind of workplace. Any really, I think, yeah. business workplace is, uh, you know, is is a uh, you have to be, you have to, you just can't say you you can't like uh, you you sort of want to be human, you know, mm-hmm. sort of you know like get to know people, know who they are, and that sort of gives you, you know, like I said, that rapport, and maybe you can. Maybe they, at some point they trust you or something to come and talk to you about something or whatever, you know, those, that's the kind of thing you have to have, but that's, that's, you gotta watch. It's not, uh, 
it's not always uh, welcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you're looking under the microscope and you're seeing the handiwork of God on a cellular level, how does that impact your faith or your appreciation for the creative nature of God and just the intricacy that you see that he's made on the cellular level? Can you extrapolate anything from that on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, I, I think about it all. I think about it all the time. You know, I, I do really do. I, I think about it um, when I'm driving a lot. I think about just uh, it, it's it's uh, it's almost too much to bear. Like it's so it's so amazing and awesome when you think about how when you start really thinking about it and, and think about all the processes that go on in a cell and each how each organelle is structured and then how how uh, basically we operate without any input from ourselves i mean there's we we don't operate we don't operate we don't control what we do we don't control how this body works i mean yeah we can move you know we can do things but we don't control how we don't how we live we you know how we sustain ourselves yeah we put food in but we're our body does stuff with that and it sustains us right and and we talked about this right i mean that that god is always sustaining us in the sense of you know, uh, uh, preserving us, sustaining us. We are not our own. We, you know, we live and move and have our being in him. And he knows each, he knows all the subatomic particles that make us up. He knows where they are. He knows the space in between them, what that is. He, uh, as we talked about in Colossians one, you know, Christ holds all things together. And I think that, I think when Paul says that, I think that's, uh, that's what that means. I think I think Paul is saying he holds all things together. Like if he wasn't there and if he didn't if he removed that, we would just we would go into nothing. We would be nothing. You know, because from nothing we, you know, we came, you know, we he spoke creation out by the power of his word just from his being, you know, and it didn't diminish his being to have creation, the universe. You know, it's it's a very staggering thought to it's very staggering to think about how you know, for instance, just, uh, you know, each each cell has its own DNA. It has the same DNA. I mean, our DNA is the same from cell to cell to cell. Mm -hmm. Yet uh, a skin cell looks different than a liver cell. and does something different than a liver cell. and does something from different from a cell that lines the intestine. and does something from different than a cell that's in the heart. They all look different. They're all part of a different tissue. You know, like, how does that happen? Like, how does, how does that happen? How does, right? And you start thinking about development and how that works. You know, development's even more amazing. Like, you know, uh, two half two half genomes come together and produce one genome. And then some program is kicked into place and all this stuff happens that we develop like we do with two eyes and, you know, evenly spaced, separate, you know, arms the same length, legs the same length. I mean, it's really staggering. Uh, and you start, you can even drill down more into it. And I think about those things all the time, like how, just how amazing. And and uh, and the amazing fact is that before sin entered the world, before we chose to go the way of, uh, of the of the serpent, that we would not have died. We were we were bodies that were made to, well, to stay alive. There was no decay, no degeneration, no disease. Um, and uh, I mean that's that's clear from the scriptures. Mm -hmm. I mean after after the fall, then you start hearing about death. 
You know, actually before this before the fall, you hear about death, right? God warned Adam and Eve, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. And um so the effect of the fall is is that we do have death and 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 things that cause death and and uh but so so the premise before that would be that and it has to be true because God made God made the creation and at the end of the sixth day he said it was very good after he made man. So when God estimates something is very good, then it's you know it's gonna last. It's mm-hmm. good. It's, it's pure. It's it's uh, without uh, defilement. It's without decay. Um, God is not decay. God is not. Uh, there's no decay in Him. There's no diminishing in Him. There's no darkness. There's no. There's just there's just no um, blemish in Him at all. So we we would not have we would not have died. It would have been you know like Enoch who was taken up. Although in Christ you know, as Stephen Charnock points out, you know without Christ. We would we would sort of be like uh, what slave and master in a way, right? You know, we we'd have that kind of relationship with God. He'd take us up to heaven because we hadn't sinned. Say, I'm just saying it theoretically. Mm-hmm. You know, we had sinned, but how we mm, we wouldn't be close. We couldn't get close. Only in Christ can we get close because He is uh, He took on our nature. We are in Him. You know, through through his uh through his death and uh resurrection we are in him like he bore our sins in his body that phrase that 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 phrase in paul says which says that he you know it's colossians he bore our sins in his body that always uh, really impacts me because you know and and paul will say elsewhere that you know we sin in our bodies mm-hmm. body sin and so christ had to come as a body to reconcile that and so, but we, in, 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 in doing that, we are, we are united with him. We have a, we, there's a bond with him because he became a human. He had a human, uh, nature, full human nature, as well as the divine nature. So, uh, without that, we would have been like that slave master. We would have, we would have been in eternity seen, probably seen all the great blessings, but there would have been some distance there. There would have been some distance there and we wouldn't have. We wouldn't have enjoyed, I don't think we, I, it's Charnock makes that point that we probably would have enjoyed that fellowship that we, we will enjoy because mm-hmm. of Christ. Um, and so God, God, you know, he decreed sin into the world. He did. He decreed it such that the greater glory is that we have this unification with Christ. So sending Christ so that we'd be united to him. So we'd have that full, rich, deep fellowship that we probably we couldn't have we couldn't have um that in God's character he probably could not have done otherwise. Yeah, C.S. Lewis theorized about this in his space trilogy, in the second book in his space trilogy, this concept of what if man hadn't fallen? And I, I always thought that was an interesting concept. And I don't know that we could ever get it right, but yeah, he he took it a, a bit of a different track, but it was kind of similar. There was kind of the separation, but man was more of like a ruler over the planet who acted in a sinless way because he didn't fall, but still it wasn't quite the same relationship that we would have had had Christ come because on this planet, Christ didn't have to come because man didn't fall. 
So there was still a bit of a different relationship there, which is intriguing to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a similar vein, you know, there'd be this kind of a King Prince or vassal, you know, kind of a, um, it could be very close, but there, it, it wouldn't be, uh, and you know, I don't, you know, and I'm sure you don't either understand this unification, actually. I, I think that's a, that's a, you know, a lot of things about Christ are certainly uh, mysterious, but you know, the unification with him, I, I mean, conceptually, I can understand, but really, how are we united in him, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a physical or kind of spiritual sense? How are we, you know, in him? Because he, you know, he says he's in us, we're in him. Yeah. You know, there's this melding that is sort of like uh, not distinguishable. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that, you know, believers in Christ are indistinguishable from him in terms of how the father sees us. You know, there's no, there's no difference. I mean, Mm -hmm. which is staggering for me to believe knowing myself. I mean, but yet it's true and I believe it. And I'm, I, I'm glad I believe it because there is no other, (laughs) there is no other way to, you know, to, uh, you know, to save our, to, to, to have eternal life without, without, without that. So. Yeah. Amen. So, John, I've known you for years, and one of the reasons I was excited to have you on the show is because from the first time I met you, I noticed something a little bit different about you than uh, a lot of other people that I interact with in the way that you are a, a very you're a driven person. So the the scripture tells us that the eyes are the windows to the soul, and I believe that. I truly believe that, not just in some metaphorical sense not in just some an analogous sense, but in the true sense that when you look into someone's eyes, when you're communicating with them, you see them and their character traits, whether good or bad. And one of the things I've noticed about you very early on is that you have an intensity in your eyes of a driven person. Like you seem like a very driven person to me, which I really respect. I really connected with you very early on because of that, because that's something that... I hope that I am now. I wasn't always that way. I wasn't always a driven person. I wasn't always a disciplined person. And I kind of had to shape myself through God's help and mold myself into that. But you have a very driven nature, very purposeful and a masculine energy about you that I think is somewhat uncommon in today's day and age. And I was just curious if that was always something that you had or where that came from. Was that something that you developed just through your life course or something that God developed in you or were, were you always like that? Well, I'll give, uh, you know, well, I mean, I, I, uh, I give everything, I, I give, uh, everything to God. I, I don't, uh, you know, I, my sister will get on my case, uh, about, you know, when I deflect any accomplishments that I, that I have, she, she always, she always gets mad at me because she goes, you did that. You did that. I said, well, yeah, I did in a sense, but I, I only did it really because, uh, you know, I live and move and have my being in, in God himself. He, there's nothing that I do that isn't out of his sovereign purview. And there isn't anything he's given me as a gift or as a, as a person that, that he hasn't known from eternity past. And, you know, so there, it, it's it's a it's a strange thing because it's not yours, really. You know, nothing nothing of you is yours. Nothing of that you do is yours. Um, yeah, you're a means, but you know, it's a it's a, kind of a strange thing to think about. Yes, you're doing things and you do things in life, but you know, at the same time, you know, God knows about it. 
and he's he's there you know he right he guides our you know, we make decisions and he guides our paths and uh so i you know i uh to your question um I, mean, I, I knew i knew very young you know i don't know when eight to ten years old probably i was i wanted to be a physician so i was going to be a physician and I mean, my mom would always say, oh, you're going to cure cancer and that. I know which came first. She, like she put that in my head or I, I said, cause I want to be a doctor. Then she said that I'm not sure how that went down, but, um, you know, I, I, uh, I think that, uh, I've always had that as a goal in as far as a career goes. And, uh, um, I, I, yeah, probably a couple of things, you know, I, I'm, I'm adopted. So. I, uh, I never, I never knew my biological parents and, uh, I know that had pretty, uh, I think significant impact on me on how I, how I am and what I did. Um, you know, I, I kind of, uh, went into myself and, and became, uh, sort of, uh, of a poet of sorts. And that's, that's who I am. I'm, I'm more of a, of a reflective and kind of intro, intro into myself kind of person. So I like to, I always tell people my dream job is to sit under a tree all day and, and write poetry, you know, and because um, I like thinking about analogies, how things work, particularly, you know, nature, God, how things are, you know, that those sorts of things. Uh, I like to do that. Um, and so I, I've always had it that I was going to be a doctor and I, that was always my goal. And, uh, you know, I was raised in a great, great home. You know, it's all, I mean, this is all in God's purview, right? I mean, I, my adoptive parents were very, uh, good people. Um, they loved us. You know, my, my dad, I, I always saw my dad. I, he's, he's the man I respect the most, even to this day. You know, I, I learned a lot from him. I learned, uh, how to do things right. You don't skip corners, you do it right. And so there's a perfectionism in me that, that, uh, actually sometimes probably is deleterious, but, um, I, you know, I saw my dad do things right. And he got, he, he wanted to do things and it was, it was always, he just wanted to get it right. And, and, uh, but he never, you know, he never like, uh, he never wanted me to do what he want. He did for, for a living. He never took, he took me to his workplace once, you know, the Erie Forge and Steel National Forge. He didn't want me to do that kind of stuff. He wanted me to get an education and, and, but he never pushed me in any direction. Like, oh, you know, I want you to do this or do that. He let me kind of do, do what I wanted. And, and that was, you know, um, that was to be a, to be a physician. And, you know, I have some, I have some, you know, kind of stories during college and that, uh, uh, but I, I think, I think I've always been, uh, you know, I've always wanted to do things, do things right. And, uh, but, you know, as far as ambition and, you know, how you, you know, your energy and that, that that's all from God. That's all I mean. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that perspective. And I feel like, especially on doing things right, because that's something that, you know, my dad drilled into me and I didn't always listen about. And so then I would have to go back and fix mistakes that I had made because I didn't do things the right way. And I think that's a very important thing, especially as Christians, where we're to do all things as unto the Lord. There's a saying I've heard, and it is, there are two ways to do things, right? And again, and I think that that's pretty much true that if you end up taking shortcuts, it only ends up delaying you in the long run. So that's a, a very great lesson in life that I think would be very beneficial if people learn, because there's always that temptation to take shortcuts, whether it's in our careers, whether it's in daily life, 
or even, you know, spiritually trying to not do things the correct way and it never works out. So I really appreciate that perspective. Yeah. It doesn't work out. And I, you know, I, I, I see it more, I don't know, maybe I'm older now. So I, I start seeing more. I, I think, uh, I think that's a little more commonplace now. This, this kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe like people don't seem that care as much maybe about the product that they're producing, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of saw that in the house that I bought, you know, five years ago where, where you know, are things that I you noticed that like anybody could see and how, you know, they saw it. Why, why would you leave that like that? Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I, I probably couldn't, <clears throat> I probably couldn't be a, a home builder because it would drive me crazy. Like I, I, I would have to, because, you know, I know somebody would be going to that house and living there, you know, and I'd want it to be perfect for them. Like no problems. I don't want that sheet. I don't want that little checkoff sheet you have, you know, when you buy a new home, you know, or you look around and look, Oh, that, that spot needs, you know, a little dry, you know, a little spackling, you know, they got to paint this, that, that you go through that list when you buy a new home. And uh, my goal would be to have nothing on that list. Nobody would see anything that needed to be, uh, redone, refixed, you know, touched up, nothing because, you know, that's, uh, what do you want to call it? Pride, uh, reputation. But on the other side is that, man, I, I know what a hassle it is to like, you don't, you don't want to create hassle for people. I mean, like, but you want to, you want to, you want to have a good product, right? You want to do something right and do it well. So yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I think some people still have that, but I, I've seen a little bit less maybe in that, focus in those uh, on that. Um, mm, agree. Yeah. So to segue into my next question for you, it would be given the state of individuals today, particularly this show is geared toward men and just helping men to become better men. Is there any advice that you would give to young men today trying to navigate this world, whether it would be you know, to aim to do things correctly, or if you have any other advice, what would you tell young men today and, you know, like a minute, two minutes, just some brief advice they could pick up and try to go forward with. Uh, you mean young Christian men or men or the, the any men? Well, I would say any men. I, I don't know that your advice, because I think ultimately all things are spiritual issues. I, I believe that wholeheartedly that all issues ultimately are spiritual. So, yeah, any advice that we would give as Christians would have to be coming from that. And I don't know that non-Christians would understand it from that aspect, but yeah. So theoretically Christians, but universal advice that probably non-Christian men won't take. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to say that I would say the first advice would be that, uh, put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And, uh, you know, um, but for, uh, for Christian men, um, it's all cliche, you know, to Christians, but, you know, uh, be in the word every day. Yeah. Be in the word every day. Um, you know, pray and you don't have to pray, you know, like, I mean, you should, you, you should have that time where you really concentrate and pray and, you know, your face to the carpet or on your knees or, or, or whatever, but you know, you can pray anytime. I pray a lot on my, you know, sometimes I drive home, I drive, you know, drive forward, drive home, think of somebody, I pray for them. I, you can pray anytime, uh, but have a prayer life um, where you're communicating, communing with the father, um, you know, look into yourself, look into yourself and examine yourself, you know, um, do the hard things, you know, like if there's something in your life that you know is not right, you need to fix it. You need to, you need to like give it up to the Lord. 
Uh, so on the practical level, uh, I would, you know, if I was giving advice, it's not, it's not going to be taken by anybody, but I would say get rid of your smartphone. Uh, those are gateways to uh, iniquity. I don't care who you are. You know, we talk about our kids and that, but I, that you know, we talked about that earlier. I would extend that to adults too. I mean, uh, for different, maybe different reasons, maybe not, maybe those same reasons, but they're, they're temptations. They're, um, they, they take you away from, from worship, from, mm. from word. Um, and it's true, you know, the, it's true. Uh, living obediently and um, uh, worshiping the one true God with your heart is always uh, a blessing. Mm-hmm. You go wrong with it. You know, you never go, that'll never go wrong, you know, and any decision you make, you know, Emerson Egerich uh, talks about, he wrote a book on, on the, the four wills of God, you know, uh, abstain from sexual immorality, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, submit to authority. And I forget the fourth one, but somewhere along there. Um, so uh, if you're doing those things, you're you're in the will of God. You know, people are like, what's the will of God for my life? Well, that's the will of God for your life is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and obey his commandments. That's it. And uh, so how do you do that? Well, I, I gave some of those earlier about prayer and, and reading the word, being in the word, studying it, meditating on it, um, you know, um, but being pure, especially in the sexual realm, is uh, I think uh, it, it's been difficult. It, it, I know in my life it's been difficult, and I can't imagine it's not difficult in others, like single men's life, for instance, or even a married man's life, or whatever. Um, and so you gotta, you gotta, you know, uh, you gotta really be careful about that. And if you're in the will, you're, not, you're doing those things that you're supposed to, and you know, the will of God. Any decision you make, John MacArthur makes this point. Any decision you make, God's going to be with you. Mm-hmm. He's going to He's going to endorse it. You know, you can make the decision. You want to take that job. You don't have to wait for a revelation from God. You know, uh, if you're, you know, it, if this is uh, you've looked at everything and it, uh, you're in the will of God, do it. You know, and if that's what you want, do it. If it's what you mm-hmm. want, do it. The Lord will be with you, and He'll be with you either way. I mean, maybe it doesn't work out. He's still with you. You know, you're going to, in that, in that sense, you know, all things, all things work for our good, but you know, you, you can't be, uh, you can't be in some pattern, you know, bad way, sin, uh, that, uh, hinders your, breaks your fellowship, hinders your fellowship, uh, that just causes a lot of problems. So I would, I, you know, I, very practically speaking, I, I, uh, I say, I say, stay away from most of the world, you know, not. You know, it's nice to know about the news and different things, but, you know, being on your cell phone all the time, looking at the social media, looking at uh, what people are doing, looking at uh, whatever videos come down, whatever, whatever, you know, I think it's not edifying. I don't think a lot of that stuff is edifying at all. Um, you know, cable TV, there's a lot of stuff on that that's just, uh, you know, it's ungodly. And we have to, you know, nowadays much more, you have to watch what you put in your eyes and your ears, mm-hmm. what is, even as adults, talk about kids, but adults too. They have to watch what, you know, oh, you know, eh, that movie, yeah, it had some bad, you know, stuff in it. But, you know, we're, I understand that. And, you know, eh, you know, I'm not saying like, like, you know, I say these things, I'm not saying I'm perfect in that regard, but I'm saying that I do see where, you know, I think as a Christian, you don't want to be, you don't want to be feeding yourself uh, things that, uh, 
you probably know are not really edifying. Yeah. Solid point. I have a lighter question for you now, which is, do you have any funny or amusing or interesting stories from being a practicing physician or from med school or something like that, where maybe something unexpected happened or like a humorous incident while you were on rounds or whatever that you can share? Because I know some things you can't share, right? So maybe it was with a colleague or something like that. Huh. Uh, I think, well, I remember, I don't know why this came to mind, but I remember as a med student, you know, we had, uh, it was like, uh, we, we had physical diagnosis class, you know, and it's like a second or third year, uh, second year, third year med school. And, uh, so as part of that, you would usually had, uh, you, you teamed up with uh, a physician, uh, uh, who, uh, you know, would assign patients. And you would go in and do a kind of a mock history and physical with them. You know, the, the, it was a real patient in the hospital, but you were, they, they agreed to have a student, you know, interview them and examine them and all that. And then you have to write it up and all that stuff. So we had a, uh, our group had a, uh, a Polish, uh, a fellow uh, internist from Poland, Miroslav, someone, he was a short fella and had an accent. And my, uh, one of my first, you know, uh, interviews or one of my first uh, uh, patients, you know, to interview and do a physical exam was, was a person with AIDS. It was, that's going to be high stress. It was, uh, it was, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if he was like trying to like, he was like playing, toying with me or what the, my, you know, Miroslav, but um, <laughs> it was like awful. It was like, I was like, because this this person clearly did not want to be interviewed or examined. I'm like, I'm thinking, did he like <laughs> approach this first, or am I like just come in here and say I want him to do this? Anyway, he was not in a good mood, and uh, it was like, I think I, you know, I lost about five pounds of sweat in that, you know, in that interview and uh, exam. He did it, but it was like, you know, every every he made you feel like, uh, you know, you were really putting him out, you mm-hmm. know. It was very, uh, I mean, you know, hey, this is, that's real life too. You know, you gotta, it was good, actually. It was a good experience in that sense, but I'm like, really? Come on. <laughs> no, you know, first one, you don't get like a cream puff or something. You know, something. <laughs> Either really yeah. liked you or really didn't like you to give you the really hard one. He likes, you know, young men, you know, or something. No, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> I wasn't that at all. I mean, I, you know, there was, yeah, there's. You know, the, the, the fun, the fun things were, you know, with my colleagues, especially in pediatric residency, you know, we had a large class, we had 17, I think, or 18 residents in our, in our class. And, and, uh, you know, we got to know, know each other pretty well. Uh, one through the, the first year retreat that we had, we spent a few days together and really got to know each other. And, and, uh, you know, we still, uh, a lot of them still practice around Pittsburgh still. And, and, and we, you know, occasionally see each other and yeah. So there was, uh, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I met a lot of really great people along the way. That's awesome. So I have a question for you about fitness. So you're a pretty fit guy and I like to be fit as well. And I think not just from a physical aspect, but from a spiritual perspective as well, that it's very important to take care of and to practice good stewardship with the bodies that God has given us. So as a physician, 
but also as a Christian, what advice do you have for people, especially for men, as far as taking care of the body that God has given them? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, it's something I thought about a lot and, 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 uh, you know, it kind of goes back to our first, uh, the first, uh, beginning of this interview about, you know, you asked me about, uh, how faith impacts medicine and a medicine of faith and that. And, you know, I, from, from the medical profession point of view, there's, uh, you know, as I mentioned, it's it's really not a Christian worldview overall. Um, and so as part of that, you know, there isn't, uh, there's lip service to preventative medicine in a sense, but um, like the spiritual aspects and, you know, good body stewardship and those sorts of things, you don't, you don't really see that a, a whole lot. You know, it's sort of like medicine profession exists. When you have a problem, then you go. You know, if you have something, we'll, we'll try to take care of it instead of, you know, oh, here, um, you know, you want to live a healthy, uh, uh, productive life. And uh, this is, you know, there's some, these are some steps to do it. But, you know, if you don't, I don't think if you, I think it's hard, you know, to, there's some things that are hard if you don't have a Christian worldview. Like you think, why would I do that? Mm -hmm. Christian worldview, why do you care like about I mean, maybe, you know, you care about your body for, for you'll, you care about your body for uh, very, uh, uh, you know, you can, you would consider them practical or vain reasons. Um, but it's probably not the right perspective, really. It's not, it's not the proper perspective. And, and so for me, uh, I've always been, I've always been active, always have been interested in, in, in the fitness side of things. Um, I mean, I was no great athlete. I, I, uh, my, my sport was my sport. Yeah. My sport was bowling. And so, you know, I, I, uh, almost became a professional bowler actually, uh, I which in itself, yeah, I, I qualified for the tour, the pro tour. Um, and, but, and so people laugh, you know, it's not a sport and it requires a fair amount of physical, uh, you know, um, maybe not strength strength but you gotta have you gotta have stamina you gotta have, to have like you have to have a body that can hold up to it but anyway um so i've always been in fitness and you know i think as i you know certainly after saved and, and being a christian i the perspective i have is that well the perspective i have is uh is good stewardship of something i don't own again you know this isn't my own body can i do with it whatever i want whatever i want yes but um, in the end, that's going to cost me in some way. It's going to cost me. I mean, whether now or eternally or whatever, it's going to cost me. I mean, yes, I can do whatever I want, but it's not mine. So how I take care of it, I think is important to the Lord. What I do with it is important to the Lord. Um, and whatever activities I, I engage in. Um, and so taking care of the body is, uh, is, is, an, is a, is a really, uh, you know, I think it's an, an important thing. So for me, uh, I, again, I would tell young Christian men, you know, to at least eat right. Mm. I, think, I think a lot of the man-made, man-made, man in his own will making foods and processing foods and that is not right. It's not good. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't jive with the, the way God made us. He made us to eat uh, what he made and that so and you know those things are also modified and that sort of thing but i would i would say 
I found diet is probably 75% of fitness, fitness and health. Mm -hmm. I don't do a particularly, uh, you know, I don't spend hours in the gym. I don't, I, I, I spend at most, uh, probably 25, 30 minutes, uh, three, four times a week, uh, but in higher intensity type of exercise that really revs up the metabolism of the body. Um, so, uh, and I, you know, I've changed some things over the years. I've, I've modified diet and, and, uh, the way I exercise and that, uh, some of it based on knowledge and some based on just the body, you know, as you age and that doing things. But I find now I, it's interesting. I find now I, I actually lift more than I used to. I could, I, I can, I can actually, you know, do stuff that I didn't do when I was younger. I didn't push myself to do when I was younger. So, um, but you get old, you know, so you have to take care of yourself. You know, part of taking care of yourself too, is that when you're not physically fit or, or, or healthy, you're not as, uh, I don't think it's as useful to the Lord too, you know, mm -hmm. like you're, everything. you're not, you're slug, you're more sluggish, maybe tired. You're not as, uh, you're not as energetic and useful to the Lord. I, I'm always amazed, you know, Moses, you know, became uh leader of the Israelites at 80, right? I mean, these people, they live, they live for hundreds, hundreds, you know, well, earlier hundreds of years, and then obviously less as the effects of sin uh, accumulated, but I, you know, these, these, uh, these men, uh, the patriarchs and the, those, those men were, were, they were men. I mean, they were, they were tough guys, man. Uh, and you know, you look at ourselves and we, we aren't that tough. I don't think anymore. Yeah. You know, so we have to take care, of, take care of ourselves. I think we have to really watch what we eat. And, um, that particularly, I, I think, uh, it's so easy now, especially in this country, it's so easy to just pick up something and say, you know, Oh, you know, but uh, I look at labels a lot. I look at stuff. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I think it's so easy to acquire food, have it. Uh, we eat way too much as a country, just too much, too many calories are accessible to us. I don't think that's how, uh, I don't think that's how God designed us. He didn't design us to, to be uh, really uh, like overweight or, you know, like he didn't design us that way. Mm -hmm. I think the struggle back in the day before we had this abundance of food was learning to suffer from lack. And I think there's something spiritually, I don't want to say cleansing, but maybe sanctifying as a Christian about suffering. And I think yeah. today we suffer through abundance. And I, I mean that it's a blessing, but I think that a lot of times there's a discipline that is required to reject the abundance and suffer through saying no to what's available. Like I know I went through a sluggish phase. I, I called myself a slug. I was, I got fat. Like I didn't just get overweight. I got fat and I don't, I don't think I knew you then, but I was significantly overweight and it was because I didn't have the discipline to reject the abundance that was there. And I think that's the calling now. And I, I think that transfers too, because personally, the way I have to function now, if it goes in my mouth, I log it in a calorie counter. And I have a set number of calories I eat a day. And if it goes in my mouth, it goes in that sheet. And I know when I've maxed out and that's all I need for the day. And that's how I stay at a healthy weight. But because I do that and I have that discipline to do that, that is transferable to other things like, okay, am I wasting time on my phone? Because we had talked about that earlier in this episode here where you know the smartphone, it can just suck that time away from you where... You go, you read this news article here, you watch this video here, and it may have started as something extremely pr productive, extremely useful, 
but it's not that long before an hour later you're watching, you know, funny cats on YouTube. Like, why do I need to watch that? I don't. So the same thing with food, there's this abundance just in general in life today. I feel like we have abundance of entertainment, right? We have an abundance of food. We have an abundance of options of all sorts. And I think that the suffering that we're called to do today is to reject the abundance, but that's very difficult. But I think there was that suffering on both sides. I don't, I think you're right. God didn't intend for us to be fat. God didn't intend for us to be overeating. But before I think the challenge was suffering for want or for lack. And now the challenge is to suffer watching the abundance and knowing we're called to not partake. No, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think we have way too many choices, way too many, you know, uh, in everything. I mean, there's choices and just, it boggles my mind. You know, you go into a, I don't know, you go into a home improvement store and you want to get uh, some kind of tiling for your, uh, for your kitchen floor. And, you know, you're, you're like all of a sudden, you know, within a few minutes, you're like, uh, I have no idea what I like. I mean, you know, it's just the, uh, uh, the, the choices are are just way too much. I think it 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 it, it takes a lot of our time and energy to uh, to sort through it all. And uh, uh, I think yeah, I think in the area of food, you're right. I mean, I think that's uh, it's just so available and so easy. And it's the world, you know. It's like uh, like the world. It's the world. I mean, it's it's part of the world. I I've always said like the automobile is like the uh, you know like uh, it's like the microcosm of the world, you know, it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, you know, and you can extend that to other things, you know, food too. <clears throat> Absolutely. So one thing, this is going to be the last question it, that we do here on Head of Nations is we try to take a holistic view of everything that we're involved in as our own kingdom under the high King Jesus, right? So Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And he's given us domains over which we rule as men. And that's, you know, our, our home life, our careers. It could be various leadership roles we've been given at church or in the community. But all of those fall under the purview of our nation or our kingdom as men. And we usually check in just to see what we're working on, particularly in our realm that God has given us. So I just want to ask you, what specifically are are you working on? What is God working on in your life? Is there something that he's brought more to mind lately in your life that he's calling you to work on in your nations? Well, I don't know if there's one thing. I, I think, yeah, yeah, I think for me is, uh, I think being decisive, you know, like uh, your yes is yes, your no is no, and uh, like sticking to things like that. Mm. Uh, um, you know, I... I, I find, well, I found, you know, the last several years that that to be challenging. Yeah, I, I think that's a challenge. I've noticed that for me as well. Sometimes, a lot of times, I think I do really, really good at this, but then little things will slip through the cracks that I've said that I was going to do. So that's something that I've been challenged with personally because I, I I'm a perfectionist to an extent. Like you were talking about building a house, and I was smiling because. I usually, every summer I have a project I build on our property and it annoys my wife a little bit because I'm such a perfectionist. Like it doesn't matter what I'm building. I need to be able to park a truck on it, right? Is it a chicken coop? But it doesn't matter to me. Like everything needs to be perfect. And so I tend to be critical of myself, which I think is good to an extent to just be circumspect. So 
I've noticed that about myself as well. And it's something I'm trying to work on a little more is, did I say I was going to do this today? Why did I not do it then? And so just kind of taking stock of that, because it's not, it might not even be a big thing. It might be something small. Like, well, I said I was going to empty the dehumidifier and I didn't do it. Well, why did I not do it? Well, I didn't put it on a list. Well, why did I not put it on the list? So just, you know, kind of taking that accountability because I think there is something very important about giving our word, even if it's just, yes, I'll do that. I think that the people that I respect, like my father-in-law is, I think he's really good about this. And I remember he used to record old classic shows for my wife and I, we used to only have like, we have, we can stream stuff now. Right. But we rarely watch TV. We watch TV a couple of times a week or whatever together, but he used to record these classic shows for us. And he'd say, I'll record this for you. And he would do it. And I just came to expect if he said he was going to do it, he was going to do it. And his word was his bond. And I think he's very good about this, where he says he's going to do something and he does it. And as a young married man, what's that? Yeah, I've forgotten about it. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that that actually happened a couple of times where I forgot I asked him to do it and he did it. And I was like, huh. Well, well, he remembered and I forgot. Asked me to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's something that I really learned from him is trying to be better about that because I would tell people I would do things when I was a young married man and I would even forget I told him I was going to do it but he wouldn't forget. Yeah. Lists are, lists are helpful at times. Yeah. I, I'm a list guy. I, I find if it's not on a list, it's, it's gone. I've forgotten it. So I'll either have to take my phone out and make a note or I like right here, show notes, it's a list. And I just, I handwrite and that helps me out. But yeah, I, I think it's a, a very good word you gave there about working on that. Yeah, so that's a very important thing. Well, yeah, that's all, uh, all facets of life, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show, John. It's been really great talking to you. And it's always a pleasure to talk with you. You're an extremely insightful guy. And for the listeners that don't know, so John taught a, a class on Kings. And I really enjoyed being in your class because you bring a layer of complexity to your instruction that I am, I, I like, I really love the deep dive that you do into things and you come at it from a, like a, a high perspective that resonates with me. So I really appreciated sitting under your teaching with that. And it's been really just a, an honor to have you on the show. So I appreciate you coming on. No, it's great. I, I, you know, it's wonderful. Thanks for the opportunity. And I, you know, always enjoy talking to you. And Absolutely. Well, that's the show that we have for you today. So I want to thank you all for listening and As always, if you'd like to subscribe to the show, please do so. If you would like to share it, we would appreciate that. And if you'd like to really help us gain traction, we'd really appreciate it if you would leave a written review that just helps us navigate that algorithm. Also, if you'd like to support the show, please go to headofnations.com and click the support tab. If you have any questions or comments that you would like to share, just feel free to reach out to us at info at headofnations.com. And as always, remember, We are the head of our nations, so let's go live like it. Until next time.